0: It's Tamsin Grager
1: and Dan Abuhoff and Sadie Abuhoff. Sadie Abuhoff with on
0: uh, what is this? Uh, Memorial Day weekend. This is Sunday, uh, May, May th-
1: 30th. On Tamsin and Dan, read the paper. Let's, let's get it together, people. It's 2021. It's a holiday broadcast, a holiday broadcast, special broadcast with Sadie. Came in just for it. Thanks for coming, Sadie. Appreciate seeing you here. And of course, a special event today, Tams. Would you like we're, to make Yeah, the...
0: we're all a little... Uh, uh, Frazzled. Yes. <laughs> uh, full of whips and jingles. Yeah. Uh, because uh, we have a new member of the family who arrived yesterday, May 29th. It's something like 6.30 in the morning. Jazz. 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 Or Hasbon, hasbon. Abuhav.
1: Hasbon Abuhav.
0: Son of...
1: Granger and uh, Nico. Granger
0: Abuhoff and Nico Hasbone. Nico
1: Hasbone. See and the way they did that? They put the last names together. I've seen that before. Hasbone yeah. Abuhoff. Yeah. So, in any event, uh, we have. He
0: already has a slew of nicknames. Does he? Yes. Yeah. Like Jazz. Stretch? Jazz. Slim? Hazzy. Oh. Jazzy. Uh, Haz. Who knows? I bet some people call him JB. J.B.
1: Hasbun. Yeah, yeah J.B. He's got a lot going. Well, he's going to work that out. It's his second day in the world. He's, he's He hasn't even met his contemporaries yet. Yeah, Ginger
2: kept saying yesterday, well, he's young. Like, no <laughs> kidding.
0: Yeah. No kidding. Can't get much yeah. younger. He's literally 10 hours uh, old. This is his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so welcome to the world.
1: How's he? yeah. All right, so we've been, uh, that doesn't knock us off stride. We're professionals. We're ready to go uh, with a special Memorial Day broadcast. And, uh... You know, there were actually two articles in the Times, two, on the very same subject, uh, which was sort of organizing for the purpose of downsizing, renovating, uh, uncluttering, getting rid of stuff.
0: Well, I think that's because a lot of people are moving. It could well be. People are moving, people are renovating. There's a whole article about people moving in California. Yeah. And some some of know, whom we, we know. Who
1: yeah. Well, that we're experiencing. And in fact, Granger and Nico are moving. So there's a lot of that going around. And look, I mean, obviously it's not a new subject, but uh, you're reading about it more and more. And what I thought was quite interesting in, in one of the articles uh, was the lengths that uh, this uh, young family went through to get rid of their stuff. But I, I think the first point is, and this is my own feeling about this. The idea of, uh, you know, having a lifetime of possessions, and I mean, I'm talking furniture as much as anything, but, you know, kitchen knickknacks, everything falls under us, um, that it's kind of hard to let go of uh, and yet hard to find a place for. It seems silly on the one hand, but it's quite real on the other hand. And that's what these articles do emphasize, that it's a real problem. And uh, the couple I was just talking about a moment ago uh, worked on it for two or three months uh, and called a bunch of agencies and, and used the things like Craigslist and others all for the purpose of finding a home for a lot of their belongings.
0: Why why do you think this is news, Daniel? It's not
1: news, but it's... it's
0: Didn't we do that whole thing about the Swedish death cleaning a while ago? But that's abstract. Every 20 minutes we're talking about... But it's an
1: abstract thing. This is something that I know we've experienced. We look at some of the furniture, and we're quite glad to see the kids take some of the furniture. But I wish they'd take all of it. We're going to reach that point whether it's going to be in months or whenever, we're going to be looking at some some dresser or, or some bed that we always considered uh, valuable and attractive and uh, or you know really well made and saying, what are we going to do with this? Uh, and you might say... And so
0: you have decided on the basis of this I've decided nothing. ...that you, that you give it all away for free. I don't know what to do with it. What, the article what, what is gonna, about giving it all away. What,
1: what would you do with it? What?
0: I have no idea. Okay, so there you go. But it's not like it's news.
1: It's not news, but it's going to be a challenge. You
0: know, there's a whole it's, article it's, it's about a how it's hard to get rid of this. It's it's challenge getting woman rid of it. Finds a melon scoop the, in the back of her. Well, that's a different article. That's that a different she article. She didn't know she even had.
1: She's a truffle shaver. That's how's
0: she going to give it away.
1: That's a different kind of issue. But yes, and a matter of fact, there they get an organizer who comes in. My and,
0: point is, it's just not news.
1: It's not news, but it's still something. It's not as it's not a trivial. Thing. And, it, and what's interesting to me is, in the abstract, you say, what's the big deal? Uh, you sell it for very little or you, you find a way to give it away. It's a snap. It's nothing to it. But the fact of that, or throw it out, throw it out. And it's it's not about the money. It's not about the money. The idea and uh, is like my old rowing machines. I don't want to throw them out because I think they're good. I think they're valuable. I think someone will get something out of it. I really want to find a home for it. Maybe that's silly, but I don't really care what people pay for it. I don't care if they pay $25 or $400 for it. My point is I'd like to have someone use it. That's what I'd like to say. And I think that goes with these other things. You're not... The
0: the thing is, it's not the big stuff that's hard to get rid of. Okay? Maybe you can sell it. Maybe you can give it away. Um, But... It's the tedious aspect of going through all the little stupid you think we'll get rid accumulations. Of, you think we're going to be able to get rid of the big stuff? through that.
1: You think we're going to get rid of the big stuff? You think we got some big pieces. You think someone's going to come by and take them?
0: Dad, she's not saying... I don't think we have any choices. You can't take it with you.
1: I understand, yeah. but it's going to be hard to do. But, but I think it? the
2: point is that when you're going through all of your stuff, yeah. that's the hard part, is going through it, sorting it, and figuring out what you want to do with it. When you have a big piece, you're like, hey, there's a big piece of furniture. Should I put it on the internet? Maybe, maybe not. Okay. That's the end of that discussion. With all the little stuff, it's like, okay, I have 20 of these, I have 30 of those, I have
0: five of these. How many do I need? Where should I yeah, put Yeah, all right.
1: Them? There are different kinds of it's, issues. It's,
0: it's the tedious aspect of thinning the herd. All right,
1: but I will... There's one point that you're kind of skimming over just a little bit that maybe won't be an issue, and that is when you're talking about some a, a big piece or two, I think it's going to be hard to part with a big piece or two because they have, you have an emotional significance there, but maybe not. Maybe not. We'll and find
0: think, out. No, but there are just so many zillion decisions involved with the little stuff. Yeah. Okay. That's what makes it harder. All it's, right. And, you know... Well, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. What sorry. I think back
2: to is... If it's like a piece that runs in the family or something, you got to think to yourself, oh, this is my grandmother's melon scooper. Do you think my grandmother cares if I keep her melon scooper? No, I don't think she cares but if, if I keep her if, melon But if
0: scooper. you go th- buy the Marie Kondo stuff, maybe to have s- somebody looks at that and it gives them joy right. to think of well, their grandmother. If, if That's every, the problem. If
2: every summer you go to her house and you scoop... Melon together, maybe that's something that's significant to you, but if it's just something that you don't use and it's sitting in your drawer Maybe it's not significant.
0: Yeah, but what about all the emotional, you know, trivia stuff? I'll tell you what one thing I've learned is
2: that When you get rid of stuff nine times out of ten probably 99 times out of a hundred you don't think about it ever again I've never gotten rid of anything and said to myself two months later. Oh, I really wish I had that random piece that I just got rid of.
0: No, not things. But what about your, like, uh, memorabilia from school things? Well, this
2: is what I get frustrated with people about is frame it and put it on your wall. It's not going to take up that much space. People keep stuff in boxes. I'm like, just get it framed and put it on your wall. And I've done that with a lot of stuff. And people rave about my gallery walls. And all you got to do is take... Everything that's in your on your bookcase or in your boxes or whatever, frame it and put it on your wall. It's
1: too bad you have a job, say this could be a career for you.
0: Yeah. No, no, this, it's a
2: career for other people, and there are um, companies like Framebridge that'll frame anything for you. Yeah. Um. So Let's let them. Do yeah. It. Let them do it. Okay. Well,
0: but I think that's a good idea. But meanwhile, right behind you, excellent closet. Dive in. Start cleaning it out. Do what you want with the Listen, contents. I spent
2: all morning going Welcome through... Welcome to my world. I spent all morning going through Mom's kitchen, throwing stuff away. Yes. It was my favorite thing to
0: do. I know. You
1: like doing that stuff. That's that's why I say it's a career choice, possibly.
0: You know, it's a little too... Um, Annoying. a little too much faith in expiration dates. Yeah. That's, that's worth, what say. i always They're
1: mythical. Just mean,
0: because the quinoa expired in 2017
2: doesn't mean it's not still good. That's yeah. <laughs> I think... <laughs> It, it says just, it right on the package. It just just expired. because, just it because just it expired. expired. Let me tell you something.
1: It wasn't a. It wasn't a bag of laughs before it expired. Just it because was, there it was, were
0: fleas doing backstroke in the quinoa doesn't mean. Well, anything. that's
1: something else. If you show us fleas,
0: wait it, a minute. She was trying to throw away. I have a bottle. Yeah. Okay. Of a wonderful liqueur. Yeah. That I bought in Antwerp. This is not the walnut. No. There's only a half an inch left. No. She wanted to throw it out. No, no, She wants to throw it out. When she says a half inch, she means basically
2: a half of a teaspoon left. There was a drop left
1: in there. Is that why, were you throwing it out because it was old or because there wasn't much left?
2: Because there was nothing left. Okay. But to my credit, I put a sign on it and I said, throw this out or no. And she said, no, I didn't just throw it out.
1: Yeah. Okay. Good. Great, I've learned. create experiences. It's good way to control yourself. All right. Well, uh, we'll, we'll uh, have to post your email and other information so people can uh, talk to you about this. Same. Um, okay. So uh, you had uh, you you were very excited this morning that you had then uh, found this very interesting article about a birder.
0: I'm gonna find an article, Dan.
1: What? What? What do you find?
0: It was a video. Oh, excuse me. Excuse- on the New York Times website. Yes. Okay. Yeah. About uh, Bob the Birder, or Birding Bob, or whatever we're supposed to call him, Bob uh, de Candido. Okay, who uh, gives tours, gives birding, takes gives uh, birding walks in Central Park, and right. I guess other places. And um, it's, uh the thing is. Apparently, he cheats. Why does one cheat? He has, uh, you know, when you're taking people around to see birds, you want to promise them they will see birds, right? You want to be able to deliver your promise. He has recordings of bird calls. Some of which are calls that, uh, you know, signal there's an emergency, something bad is about to happen. And that gets birds excited. And they show up to see what's so, going on. So he's
1: playing recording. He's playing he's, music. He's or playing, he's playing sounds. It's digital. It's digital. That's the problem. It's digital.
0: And he plays these... He also does pishing, which is... He makes a noise that uh, says something to the birds. He's, he's a bird whisperer. So wait, the and
2: bird... Guy
0: is doing bird calls right. to get the birds. To no, throw he's off. doing some bird sounds, the pishing sounds, but he's also playing some sounds. And, and on that's a an important. Pin. But that's an important that's distinction. That's, that's an important cheating.
1: distinction. The first, the bird calls, I think, and we're getting this from the video. I think people will live with the pishing. They're, they're used no, to No, some
0: people were even complaining. Some about people that. don't
1: like that, but some people, most people, are cool with that. Well, you know, they don't make a big fuss, but they really feel it's over the line. When you use a digital resource to make the birds sound.
0: You're stressing the birds. You're making them feel there is danger where there is
1: not. Well, you could do that with fishing too if you're very good at yes. it. But but yes, what,
0: what,
2: how does this align with when you're duck hunting and you have a duck call?
1: These are not duck hunters who well, we're talking about. Clearly, to those people. Them. Those are terrible people. people. They're, they're shooting to birds. Kill
2: the you're not <laughs> making
1: your case with that, say. Well, you could say that ducks
2: are birds and they're calling <laughs> I understand, ducks. but
1: you can't say to someone in the Audubon Society, this is cool, isn't it? Duck hunters do it. They're not going to say it that way, okay? They're saying duck hunters, they're murderers. That's How the, many
0: the, Northeast Goldfinch do you need? Well, this, oh, no. He, they do fancier stuff. are going to help yourself anyway, with that argument either. Um, it is a good video. It's 15 minutes long. But people okay? are and it up introduces and this guy. He's very funny. He says, uh, you know, a um, he almost, uh, he's crossing the street, almost gets hit by a bike. And he says, you know what I tell people? When the bike comes toward me about to hit him, I say, uh, I'm a lawyer. And they always stop. Yeah. Well, <laughs> good luck with that. No one wants to hit a lawyer. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so... It also has uh, some of his uh, sort of detractors uh, give little uh, Oh, yeah, little detractors speeches
1: puts it about. mildly. So they show him out there in the wild. He does a little pushing. Then he's playing these recordings, which I think also are a little louder than the uh, you know, vocal bird calls. And uh, birds seem to respond. Uh, and then they show uh, different interviews with us. Tamsin describes some detractors who describe this guy as totally unethical. And that what he's doing is really harmful, uh, mean, really, to the birds. Because he's getting them all riled up.
2: He's crying wolf.
1: He's crying wolf. They're flying down, you know, like there's an emergency going on. They're looking around. They can't figure it out. It's creating a high anxiety level among the birding population in Central Park. He's trouble. And there's not one guy saying this. There's several people who seem to be perfectly respectable, educated folks who are Audubon types. Who are really down on this guy.
0: And, but, so we called in some experts.
1: We did. That's the kind of stuff we do, see.
0: And Daniel uh, wrote to uh, his friend uh, Harry Zerlin.
1: And Harry's brother Larry. So uh, we had Harry and Larry and, Zerlin. And uh, here's what Larry. Well, before, well before you start, Good. Harry's a naturalist. And Larry, even beyond that, is a birder. So we, these guys are experts. He's
0: a world famous birder. He
1: is, world class birder.
0: Yes. Uh, but anyway, here's what, uh, here's what Larry says. Ethically, fishing and playing tapes are equivalent. There is also this myth about stressing the birds by calling them in on false pretenses as a predator or an encroaching male. These birds have flown thousands of miles, avoided hawks, established territory by singing for hours and hours on end, flying a few feet to look around for a few seconds isn't going to throw them over the edge.
1: That's right. So he is. Uh, his uh, reaction is uh, pish. He goes, uh, this is not that big a deal.
0: In summary, a lot of birders, particularly I have noticed Central Park birders, are just looking to get their noses out of joint over anything.
1: That's right. Their noses are out of joint, but uh, it's not really the birds' beaks are out of joint. And, and Harry had something similar to say. I don't know if you wanted to read that or not, but Harry, clearly, they, they responded simultaneously. that This was a tempest in a teapot. I mean, there's one other element to it that they both also refer to, and that is, and this was not the issue discussed in the video, was that people don't like the idea of of exposing, and I think this was Harry's uh, point in particular, to the so-called hoi polloi, all the good birding, hiding places. They, they don't want, they want, you know, it's nice that the experts know where to go to look for a particular bird, maybe an owl, in fact, but they don't want everybody and his brother to know where those habitats are because those kind of crowds do destroy the habitats or interfere with the habitats, so there's a little—you might even use the word snobism—involved that uh, it's not so cool to be leading large groups of people to bird habitats.
2: I think the correct term is snobbery.
1: Snobbery. I think I said that, didn't I? So anyway. So sorry. Yes. That's
0: what's going on in Central Park.
1: That's right. And uh, yeah, but we—we we got all wild up until Harry and Larry set us straight.
0: What does he do to attract the penguins?
1: I don't think penguins were in the uh, video. Well, they're
0: in Central Park. I've seen them. Yeah, you don't need to attract them. They're behind fences. He did find a a box turtle. A
1: box turtle.
0: I will say... No, it it wasn't a box. turtle. What kind of turtle? Oh, snapping
1: turtle. Yes. A snapping turtle. Big
0: difference, Daniel. I don't know
1: anything about turtles. I will say I was... Clearly. uh, I didn't mention this to you. I was on my bike ride uh, the other day. uh, And, uh, you know, going along in the sky, actually, to be perfectly honest, passed me. Faster than I am. Faster bike, I guess. And uh, But he was far enough ahead of me that I wasn't seeing exactly what he was doing. And at one point, he had gotten off the bike and walked out to the middle of the road to pick up a turtle that he had identified as being in danger, at risk. But you and shouldn't bring pick him to it up. I hope
0: he didn't pick it up by the tail. He can do damage to no, the turtle's No, he, no. He picked it up right by the sides. The and then he yeah. brought it to the uh, other side good. of the
1: road. And then we both, you know, then he got back on the bike and I passed him. And he passed me again.
0: If you pick it up towards the back yeah. on the sides, so yeah. you can't get all the way around.
1: Well, listen, I give this guy credit. I would be a little concerned about picking up a turtle, especially in traffic. But, uh, but it gave you a chance to pass him It back. gave me a chance to pass him. Yeah. I said to myself, this guy's fast, but he's not too smart. And so he's losing ground. All right. So let's talk a little bit about did ice hockey. Did you
0: yell, I'm a lawyer? <laughs> <Zoomed> <laughs> I'm a lawyer. By.
1: And the turtle stopped immediately. Stopped in his tracks. Uh... Islanders hockey. Yeah, Sadie's a hockey expert. That's why she's barely here, to talk about ice hockey. But I wanted to start to say something about the Islanders because the Islanders are playing in the playoffs in the Nassau Coliseum. And uh, they're making a little bit of a fuss about these are the last games ever in the Nassau Coliseum because they're closing the facility. And what's unique about that, we all know about new facilities being built and old ones being closed down, is that this is the second time this has happened. In 2015, the Islanders were playing the last game in the uh, Nashville Coliseum. It happened to be against uh, the Washington team, your Washington Capitals. And uh, they actually won that game. although They lost game seven and got knocked out. And by the way, the coach of Washington then was
2: Barry Trotz. Barry
1: Trotz, who coached the Islanders now. And people left. But in any event, they closed it in 2015 to go to Barclays Center. And Barclays Center in Brooklyn did not work out for reasons that are not Clear to me. I mean, I hear people say that the facility wasn't, you know, better for basketball, not best for hockey. Okay. Um, that's not a full answer to that well, there's question.
2: there's temperature thing with hockey. I don't know if you know this, but Ugh. hockey involves ice. Yeah. And there's a lot of technology required to keep the the ice cold. Was
1: the ice bad in Barclays?
2: I don't know. I I don't know anything about Barclays and their ice capacities. Uh. But there are certain, that's one of the, you know, characteristics of each barn is how good is the ice. Can I tell
1: you what the real reason is? Because I know this because I'm from Long Island.
2: I thought you said you didn't really know why it worked out. So I I was just (laughs) going to speculate for you. But go (laughs) ahead.
1: I know. Even when I say I don't know, I know. You know that. But here's the deal: the Islanders are a Long Island team. The players settled in Long Island and buy houses in Long Island. Their practice facilities in East Meadow, in Long Island. So
2: Queens is so much different than Brooklyn. It's, it's,
1: n- yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. And for one word, and I'll tell you why. It's called parking. Okay. The, the players and the fans, particularly the fans, I know, the Barclays, could not drive to Barclays. I and think park.
2: Barclays, when they bring in the bus, you have to, like, the bus has to take an elevator. Yeah, or something. It,
1: it, you can't Crazy. do it. it yeah. It's a different way of living. So it's only 11 miles from Uniondale in Long Island, but it might as well be in a different universe. Uh, they need a place to park and to hang out, and they can drive their cars and do whatever they do. And uh, so they're going to move, as you alluded, to Queens. Yeah, near the Belmont racetrack.
2: Nassau Coliseum in Queens? Where is Nassau Coliseum?
1: No, no, no. It's in Long Island. Uniondale.
2: Technically, yeah. Queens is in Long Island.
1: Yeah, we could have that discussion. But we in any go event... We could down that rabbit hole if we wanted to. Yes. Uh, but,
0: also, Brooklyn. Yes, yeah, It's but, all Long Island. Yeah, but
1: not... In that. Let's do Nassau, Queens, and uh, Kings County. It uh, yeah. They belong in Nassau County, and that's where uh, Queens is close enough. So, in any event, you want to talk about hockey more broadly, you
2: Sure. Sure. Well, we're in the Stanley Cup playoffs right now. It's very exciting times. Yes. Um, A lot of storylines going on. Yeah, I think chief among them for me is the Tampa Bay Lightning have... uh, They came in third in their division in the Central Division out of eight teams. And they won the Stanley Cup last year. Here's the thing. Their best scorer, Nikita Kucherov, he took the entire regular season off. And when he does that, That doesn't... He's not a cap hit for the team. He's not a salary cap problem because they put him on long-term IR. And then he comes back for the playoffs, and guess what? He's already the leading scorer in the playoffs for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And what do they do? They knock out the number two seed, the Florida Panthers. And now they have to play my poor Carolina Hurricanes in the second-round game. And it's not cheating because it's allowed, but... Nikita Kutrov is going to come in and spoil spoil the party for everyone. I'm a little upset about it.
1: Got it. So oh, that's, that's an inter- that's an interesting story. Say that's
2: one storyline. The other problem there is that the Tampa Bay Lightning have the best goalie in the universe, you so know, that's another challenge. But
1: you know what I, what I found there. interesting that you told me yesterday. If you could tell quickly, yes, tell me a story about that guy who got scouted by accident.
2: Yes, that's Kirill Kaprizov. Dala dala bill Kirill. Or Kirill the Thrill, as we like to call him. <laughs> yeah. He's Russian, he's 24 years old, and he plays for the Minnesota Wild. So what happened was there were there's a great video about this on the internet, but there were, you know, scouts um scouting on behalf of the wild and they were in some remote part of Russia. And they had some travel snafu and ended up taking in a couple extra games. And they saw this guy, Kirill Kaprizov, and they said, this is our this is our guy. We like this guy. They ended up drafting him in a very late round, and nobody knew who he was. And they were just like, we're going to take this guy, Kirill. And Kirill made a deal with them that he would play in the KHL a couple years, I think one or two years, because he had made some sort of deal with them. And then he would go on to the wild. So he did that. This year was his first year on the Wild. Barely speaks English, does all of his interviews with a translator, which is pretty rare for the NHL, even though the NHL is completely international. They rarely have people require a translator. Um, And he has been the top-scoring rookie in the league. And it's been a big story, and he's going to win the Calder Cup because of it, probably. Um, But he has been a tremendous boost for the Minnesota Wild which is a team that has a couple superstars, but is kind of on the upswing in terms of talent. And he's a big part of that. So, and they
1: found him because they had plane trouble.
2: Yeah, it was just some travel snafu. They ended up staying overnight a couple extra days, I think.
1: Sounds like a Mighty Ducks subplot or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, good. Good for him. That's an interesting story. All right. Thank he's, you, Sade.
2: He's learning English. He's going to do really well. That's
1: interesting about the translators, because there are quite a few translators that work in Major League Baseball.
2: Yeah, well, so for the NHL, there's, you know, Canadians and Americans. A lot of the Canadians are French-Canadians, so they struggle a little bit with English sometimes, but they obviously take English in school, I think. Um, And then there's a lot of Scandinavians. Scandinavians also take English in school. I think Kirill said he was playing hockey too much and he didn't pay enough attention in English class. <laughs> so I think it depends, it depends on the person, but um, I think Kirill was not putting his studies first and just the, the English thing did not come through for him.
1: I guess he didn't come up with a dollar dolla, uh No,
2: he did not come up with that himself. But also, like, there's some Scandinavians who have challenges, but a lot of them just kind of speak basic sentences until they get to the
0: next, yeah. you know. level.
1: That's interesting. Okay, Tamsin. The Whitney.
0: Not the Whitney. The Art-Filled Studios Gertrude Whitney Left Behind. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that clarification. John Freeman Gill. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Gertrude Vanderbilt Whitney. Poor little rich girl. uh, Who was also a sculptor. Gertrude
2: is such a good first name. Yes.
0: uh, She was an heiress. And uh, she um, called her Gertie. She founded Whitney. the Whitney. She she had she collected art, actually. And at a certain point, she offered to give all of the modern art to the Met. And the Met said, eh, maybe not."
2: See, if you're operating on Gertrude's level, you don't have to put things on Craigslist. You just give your stuff to the Met <laughs> until the Met says no.
0: the Met said no. You're kidding. To me. Yeah, Met said, forget it. Met Met wasn't interested in new stuff. Really? They were interested in classics. And uh, so she started her own museum, which is called the Whitney. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Modern art. (laughs) Did you guys work this out beforehand? uh, No, she's She's following along. Anyway, uh, there's um, some excitement about a couple of her studios. One of her studios is in Old Westbury. That doesn't surprise me. Really. She had a, she had a, you know, magnificent estate there. Uh, this uh, incredible studio, which uh, after she died, you know, just lies around, deteriorates, and then her descendants fix it up and make it into a mansion, basically. Um, so, and, and it had uh, amazing murals in it. One of them uh, was painted by Howard Gardner Cushing, who was. Uh, BFF with uh, my buddy the guy I did my thesis on Hendrik Christian Anderson. Oh god. Not back. only that, yeah. but Hendrik remember is a was a sculptor. Yeah. He gave sculpting lessons to Gertrude. Oh my god. All right. And uh, so anyway, um, there's a mural uh, this um, estate is up for sale 4.75 mil uh-huh. can be yours. What a steal. Okay, and um, actually the mural that Howard Cushing painted Mm -hmm. is now a replica because his family bought the original Mm -hmm. mural around a curved staircase um, to take uh, home uh, to show at their house. And Lord knows what's going to happen to it. But anyway, there's also a studio of hers in Greenwich Village Mm -hmm. on McDougal Street. And that has been owned for years by uh, the New York Studio School of Drawing, Painting, and Sculpture. And it has some fantastic works by an artist named Robert Winthrop Chandler uh, who, that include a really amazing um, fireplace. And the mantle is these huge flames reaching up. To the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And it's bronze and plaster and it was painted fantastic colors. But for the last, I don't know, 50 years or, or more, it's been painted white. And so it needs restoration. But uh, people are skeptical about being able to uh, actually restore um, it properly. And so the question is, how do you do it? And uh, should you do it? It's, it's an interesting... Work of art, it's an interesting building, but it's not open to the public. So what good does it do uh, for anybody? There were some amazing stained glass windows designed by the same guy, Robert Winthrop Chandler. Oh, did I mention Hendrick knew him too? They had a rather big falling out. Hendrick wrote some nasty things about him, Mm -hmm. so I'm not sure exactly what happened. But anyway, uh, this guy also did stained glass windows, which were taken out years ago. And we're in an antique shop for years. Nobody wanted them. And then some guy bought them there in Pennsylvania somewhere now. Okay. So anyway, um, you know, uh, these are Gertrude's uh, studios are about to be um, a figment of the imagination. Uh, but let's go to France. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of France, City's a big fan of Versailles. City, you should now know that you can go and stay in a hotel on the Versailles property um, some old buildings that uh, housed the finance ministry have been converted to a hotel, okay? And they're pretty fantastic. Rooms start at $2,000 a night.
2: Well, that seems better than staying at Zeke's apartment and taking the train to Versailles.
0: Oh, was that rough? It, it, was, it was, you know, it was a challenge, I would say. I, I'm I'm guessing that... The challenge was Zeke's apartment because it's the not precisely train train. The about eleven miles from. Uh, yeah, Paris. we
2: did we did make a strategic uh, stop at the MacDo before we got on the train, which was key. So mm-hmm. we had some good chicken McNuggets on the way. Um, but yeah, I can I could tell talk to talk about Versailles all day. I could talk about my whole day at Versailles because I remember it like it was yesterday.
0: Versailles can be a lot of fun. Uh, speaking of Paris, though, the Louvre will have a new president. In September, the first uh, woman, Laurence Descartes, and uh, she's currently the head of the Musée d'Orsay and the Musée de l'Orangerie. Um, and uh, she's been chosen to replace um, the current president, uh, Martinez, uh, who has gotten some grief, uh, which I'm not sure is totally deserved. He was good at marketing the Louvre uh, under his uh, under his um, auspices. Yeah. Uh, Beyonce and Jay Z did their apeshit uh, video, mm-hmm. um, which I think is I I think is fantastic. Also, uh, under under his uh, realm, Lupin was filmed mm-hmm. there. But some people think that's selling out and a bad use of the Louvre. Uh, anyway, um, also he's from a different class. Uh, Laurence is from the upper class, okay, and she's got a real art history pedigree. Uh, He was more of an archaeologist and the son of a postman. Mm Hmm. Mm Hmm. Anyway, she'll be overlooking a budget of 240 million buckos. All right or euros euros I think that's close enough 290 all
1: right so it is Memorial Day weekend it is going to get warm I promise you even though it's 48 degrees likely story yeah and a few days ago it was warmer so it's more apropos to see a column in the Times this case uh, by Eric Asimov who I believe was Isaac Asimov's son called Poor." called the season this season calls out for a cold one about getting a cold refreshing beer on a hot day hard to identify that experience at this particular moment. But in any event, what Asimov recommends, first and foremost, for that purpose, is a Pilsner. And not any Pilsner, not any Pilsner, Tamsin, but a Pilsner from the Czech Republic in the city after which the beer was named, the city of Pilsen. Mm-hmm. And you know what Pilsner comes from the city of Pilsen? Pilsen? What? what one? Pilsner Urkel.
0: Ooh, okay. And you'll
1: remember when we yes. biked in the Czech Republic, we, we would stop for lunch every day. Many a pilsner, a pilsner or okay. a Cal. First of all, every place, every place—it's like every post office had a sign "Pilsner Urquell." They all were serving it draft style,
0: and it was uh, like twenty-five cents a glass.
1: Oh, uh, it was. Only, and we told this story before, but just quickly, we would stop for lunch on these long bike rides at some miscellaneous bar, and we would get uh, what everyone specialized in, which is the garlic soup, a big pretzel. And a big Pilsner or Raquel, and for the two of us, the bill was basically $3. Uh,
0: but here's my question. Yeah. I thought Pilsners were uncool.
1: Uh, Well, not... Eric Asimov doesn't care about cool. I mean, I think the American Pilsners are considered plain. And, and watery. And undistinctive, is the word I Tasteless. would use. Tasteless. Yeah. But he's saying the Pilsner or Raquel is not like that. It, sometimes it's called a Czech Pilsner. Sometimes it's called a Bohemian Pilsner. You know, there's, there's something called a German Pilsner, and the German Pilsner that we have drank, you may remember, Six Points, the Crisp, that's a German Pilsner. So he recommends that too. Um, but there are a lot of Pilsners he doesn't recommend, okay? okay. <laughs> and the other beer that he recommends besides Pilsner, first and foremost for the summer day, you can probably guess, is a Kolsch. Uh, nothing on a hot day like a Kolsch, and again... He says, you know, what you got to avoid is the American uh, tarting up the Colch, making it a raspberry Colch, a blueberry Colch. No, don't do that. Just get a regular Colch. I think there are more Colch than even he realizes because he says it's hard to find a Colch. You don't see them everywhere, but a lot more than they used to be. So, Tulsa Raquel or a Colch. I'm looking forward to those hot days, Dan. Refreshing.
2: I saw the amount of beer that you have in the fridge. Yeah. You're not allowed to buy any more beer until you drink all of the stuff you have. That's going uh, to be
1: 2025. To
2: be I, I think Dan
0: likes to buy beer more than he likes to drink. That's probably you know. true. I will have that beer all drunk by He's the got time... got a beer collection. What's going to happen to the beer collection yes. when we downsize? Uh, mm.
1: uh, I, I, think, I think that has value on the open market. I think we can sell it. Okay, Tabs, and you had something about Michelangelo. I know. I know you do.
0: Yeah. Send in the bugs. The Michelangelos need cleaning. Yeah. Is this okay.
2: cicada related or separate than? Cicada? No, this is bacteria related.
0: Yeah. Okay. Not all bacteria are bad things. Okay. Um, so anyway, there's a famous um, Medici Medici Chapel in the Basilica San Lorenzo, and uh, it has figures, uh, you know, sort of these allegorical figures of uh, dawn. Day, Dusk, Night, uh, that were carved for two tombs by Michelangelo. He never quite finished putting it all together. Uh, Sometime, I think, after his death, uh, you know, friends and colleagues just kind of put it all together uh, in a formation in this chapel. And... um, Uh, and you know and ran off uh, basically they they, they look kind of odd the figures to some extent look like they're about to slide off these sarcophagi anyway um, the marble was rather disfigured for various reasons there have been plaster casts of them there are you know various uh, cleaning agents uh, in fact um, in one of them hmm this is interesting these are the tombs of uh, Giuliano and Lorenzo de' Medici okay but in Lorenzo's tomb is also his son, we think, Alessandro, all right, who was murdered and swiftly rolled up in a uh, carpet and thrown into the sarcophagus, is mm. the legend, mm. okay? Um, he's an interesting guy because he was also called Il Moro. Uh, uh, he, if you look at him, he's rather dark, And it's believed that his mother was of African descent. Mm -hmm. She was a servant in uh, Lorenzo's household. Uh, So he is one of the black uh, Medici's. Anyway, um, apparently his body fluids, since he wasn't properly um, buried, uh, seeped and also uh, created stains on these famous, beloved marble sculptures. And so, uh, um, they called in an expert and I have, oh, here's her name, Anna Rosa Sprichetti. And she's an expert in bacteria that eat the kind of, uh, um, residue that stains marble. And, uh, so, uh, they actually, she did a study Uh, With examples of the marble and examples of different bacteria. Because you have to find the right bacteria that eats those specific stains, but doesn't eat the marble. And uh, she did that. And now the sculptures are looking fantastic because they've been uh, uh, exposed to SH7, Serratia ficaria*. Great. Happy ending. All right. So if only... We could find, uh, you know, uh, the right bacteria to uh, clean up this house. It would be, you know, trouble-free, right? Yeah. well, Just set them loose. I I would sort in the bathroom. So, So, you know, we've we've had a lot of bad bacteria experiences, I think, in the past uh, year and a half. So here's, that's a... A positive. All
1: right. Well, speaking of positives, so one thing you see a lot in the newspapers about is the movie theaters are opening. Well, things are opening generally, and people are looking forward to going back to the movie theaters. And the Times did the kind of thing they've done in the past. They list the summer movies. And uh, something dawned on me about this. I mean, I, I'm sure they're going to have big opening numbers because people were dying to get back into movie theaters, the novelty of it. Let's get back to it, et cetera, Do you think that's
0: really true? I know that in the past, when we go through a long, like, snowstorm thing, yeah. and people are really get cabin fever. Yeah. Um, and you try to go to the movies yeah. and no matter what was playing every movie theater was full right but you think that's going to happen
1: well it happened yesterday with the restaurants didn't it people were dying to go to restaurants and every restaurant well, was full. well
0: it was freezing cold and uh, eh. a holiday weekend and nobody could eat outside it was pouring rain uh,
1: I, th- I think also people it's the novelty of it but here's what i think is a little bit of a more sub- substantive issue uh i don't think there are many good movies Well, if
2: you think about it, for the last year and a half, no one's been able to film it. That's exactly
1: my point. So when you look at it, and this is not just me being crabby, you know, old man, get off my lawn. Movies aren't good. Cranky, cranky, yeah. Uh, If you look at the list, you say this list looks different. I don't see anything, Uh, and I think Sadie's got it exactly right. I mean, I don't think people have been churning out films for the last year and a half, and as a result, it's not like there's nothing. There's something. Uh, and they'll have some opening numbers that are pretty high, but I wouldn't be surprised if you don't have a very big movie season. And people have all kinds of theories about watching from home, but I think a big thing is I don't think there's much in the way of movies. The only movie that jumped out at me—I didn't study the list—is of course uh, *In the in Heights*. The Heights yeah. Exactly, is coming out in June, and I would see that in the movie theater. But I'm telling you, it stood out. Uh, I don't know if you, anything else you're aware of. Say
2: well, you got to figure there's. I don't know how many blockbusters they were able to make, like the, you know, the Marvel movies or the Fast and Furious or things like that, because I would imagine with a really large production, it'd be very difficult to manage all the COVID protocols. I'm sure it'd be easier with, you know, if you're only managing a few actors and you didn't have to do stunts and things like that. But there were—I so, think—I I
1: don't know how to break this to you—but there's a lot of special effects that are done digitally in these movies, so they might be able to. get Yeah, to but
2: the, they've got these big green screens, yeah, and they right. have to like—well,
1: you know, I will say, jump
2: onto pillows you, and stuff.
1: Yes, you mentioned Marvel. Black Widow is coming out at some point, so you have that, and maybe even some more. But in any event, I think there's going to be uh, uh, really a really shortage of uh, movies that people are interested
0: in.
2: Well, hopefully, there will be another version of Little Women by the time we get to. <laughs> Thanksgiving, because I really <laughs> bank on that for the, the holiday season. All right.
0: All right. I love to chat with you all forever, but I just got a text yeah. from uh, Hazi and his family, yeah. and they are on their way to Limeport even as we speak. So, uh, so you, we got so to run. We got to run. We have got them, a new have, baby to see. We have to make a bassinet. Uh, all right. This is Tamson Granger and Sadie and Dan Abuhah. With uh, Tamsin and Dan Read the Paper. We'll be back again
1: in June.